The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks, episode number 18. It is Sunday, October the 16th, although by the time I post this, it'll be Monday, October 17th. Um, I am down in Knoxville, Tennessee right now, right in the middle of a road trip. I guess you could call it a cross-country road trip, but I'm going north to south. Started out in New Jersey, uh, spent a night in West Virginia, drove through Virginia, and then uh, right at the tip of Tennessee, the, the penis tip of Tennessee, if you will, in Irwin, in the middle of the woods in a cabin there. So those of you who have been following along on Instagram have seen uh, everything I've been getting into along the way. And today I took a trip into Asheville, North Carolina, and back into Tennessee. So now I'm in Knoxville. And uh, I've seen a lot of interesting things along the way. I've had a lot of interesting things to drink, which I'll get into in a little bit after I talk about some MMA. Um, going solo on this episode, which is, you know, somewhat unusual at this point. I haven't done a solo episode in a while. But lots to talk about. There's a lot going on in the MMA world. Uh, the biggest story definitely has to be Ronda Rousey making a comeback. So she has signed on to fight Amanda Nunez, who is the Bantamweight champion. They're going to fight at UFC 207 in Las Vegas, Nevada. And a lot of mixed feelings about this. I mean, Ronda's been out of the game for a while now. It's been over a year since she lost the title to Holly Holm. And it was pretty vicious the way she lost, especially someone like Ronda Rousey, who looked unbeatable. I mean, I think this was probably one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. It's right up there with Matt Serra beating George St. Pierre. It's right up there with Chris Weidman knocking out Anderson Silva. Definitely a huge shock that she lost and that she lost the way that she did. And since then, obviously the, the bantamweight division for the women has been such a mixed bag. I mean, we talked about it on this show multiple times, how you never know what's going to happen with this division. The title, you, you didn't think Holly Holm was going to lose to Misha Tate, and Misha grinds out the video and, and uh, grinds out the victory, rather, and uh, and taps Holly Holm out or chokes Holly Holm unconscious at the end of the fight, and then you think, like, wow, with Ronda out of the picture, Misha could really make a run, and then Amanda Nunez comes out and just blasts her. In any case, uh, a lot of people already counting Ronda out because she's had such a long layoff. They think she's not in it mentally anymore and obviously Amanda Nunez looks like a world beater right now uh, four victories in a row and she she's really really destructive uh, you know Ronda's really gonna have to weather that storm but here's the thing about it that now the way Holly Holm beat Ronda is by being you know Holly Holm she was counter punching and she strategized and she made Ronda rush in and make mistakes now, Amanda Nunez's style, as we all know, is to, to rush in there and to charge her opponent and to really blast through her gas tank early on. Obviously, she has other skill sets. She's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so she has that in her back pocket. Um, 
but this is a style that is most susceptible to Ronda Rousey's judo. Obviously, anybody who charges in on Ronda gets beaten within seconds. I mean, we've seen this time after time. We've seen it with Bech Kohea, um, and opponent after opponent that Ronda has just run through. Every time you charge in on this woman, you're in for a rough night, and that's just the way it is. Um, so if Amanda does that, you know, she's going to be susceptible to that armbar. I don't care if she's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Ronda's strength is her transition game. I mean, nobody uh, executes transitions like Ronda Rousey in MMA still, I believe. So if, if her head's in the right place and she is really training hard, which from what I understand she has been, you know, she had a lot of distractions going into that Holly Holm fight and it seemed like she she wasn't really training the way she should have been training and obviously with coach Edmund that's just a disadvantage for anybody uh, I would really like to see her separate herself from him um, as well as Travis Brown obviously you know coach Edmund has been has been <laughs> a bad thing in Travis Brown's career as well uh, the guy's a lunatic which is why Fabrizio Verdun probably kicked him at the end of his last fight with Travis Brown which that whole fight was a disaster, but that's neither here nor there. So in any case, a very interesting matchup, and it, it's really going to do a lot to mix up this bantamweight division um, because it, it really is such a mixed bag. I mean, where do you go from here? I mean, everybody thought that, you know, Holly Holm could make a run, but now she's got two losses in a row. But if she has a big victory in her next fight, uh, you know, she could be right back in the mix. And then, you know, you throw in people like Valentina Shevchenko in there. Um, if Ronda wins, there's talk of a super fight with Cyborg. So, you know, a lot of stuff potentially going on there. So it's definitely going to be exciting. It's definitely an interesting matchup. Um, you know, we'll get more into it as we get closer because it's not till the end of December. So, you know, we got a lot of time to see what happens, and the story is going to be going to revolve around Ronda because nothing's going to change with Amanda Nunez. We know what she's bringing to the table. We know she's fierce in that first round, especially in the first couple of minutes. We know she's going to come out of the gate like a bat out of hell, but we don't know what Ronda's bringing to the table because we haven't seen her in a while. She's been kind of quiet, which is unusual for Ronda. So, you know, maybe she's been humbled, and maybe she's going to come back more focused. Or maybe she doesn't bounce back from that devastating loss. I mean, that, that was a vicious KO, and, it, and she didn't handle it well. You know, she talked about retiring, and, you know, once those thoughts get into your head, it's a slippery slope. Um, speaking of which, someone else who's talking about retiring, Jose Aldo, the current interim featherweight champion, who is really upset that Conor McGregor is fighting Eddie Alvarez in his next fight. Because Jose really wanted that Conor McGregor rematch. He wanted to redeem himself. He feels like he deserved it after, um, you know, beating Frankie Edgar at UFC 200. And it's hard to deny him. I mean, the guy's in a tough spot because he's holding a belt that's, that's not a real belt. I mean, he is the interim champion because Conor McGregor has not been stripped of the featherweight title. So Jose Aldo's kind of in a tough position right now. The other side of the coin is, you know, you are technically the champion. You should be manning up and defending that belt. And he's kind of coming off like a baby. Like, if I don't get the fight that I want, then I'm walking away. 
And this is how the UFC works. You're not going to get out of your contract. If you're under contract with the UFC and you still have fights left on your contract, you have to fight for the UFC. You can't decide, okay, I'm done and I'm going to go away and fight for Bellator or fight for, you know, World Series of Fighting or, or fight for Ryzen or anything like that. You, you just can't do it. Uh, once you're under contract with the UFC, you have to execute all the fights on your contract or retire. Now, Jose said he doesn't want to fight anymore if he doesn't get the Conor McGregor fight. And he's not going to go fight anywhere else. And he, he has other things he wants to do. He wants to go play soccer or something. And I, I really hate to see him go out like this. But at the same time, I really hate to see grown men acting like children and whining and kicking and screaming when they don't get what they want. And that's the case right now with Jose Aldo. There are a ton of interesting fights for him. I think the most deserving, without question, is Max Holloway. I mean, this guy should definitely get a title shot at this point. He's won 10 fights in a row, um, or, or nine fights in a row, something ridiculous like that. And with the amount of killers in that featherweight division, that's a really impressive feat right now. And uh, it seems like Max Holloway's game to fight anybody. I know he was taunting Jose Aldo on Twitter and and uh, that caused a little bit of controversy. But Jose Aldo, a lot of people forget this is one of the most dominant fighters in the history of mixed martial arts. This guy was just burning through competition. I mean, guy after guy that was put in front of him when he was fighting in WEC. And then, you know, his hype kind of died down when, uh, when WEC was absorbed by the UFC. Um, I mean, he was still dominating guys, but he was going to decision, and then he was getting injuries, and he was out hurt, and, and things like that. So, you know, I'd really hate to see for his legacy to be, to be damaged like this, because this is a guy who should go in the history books as one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters of all time, without question. But, you know, what does the casual fan know him for? They know him for getting knocked out by Conor McGregor in 13 seconds. I mean, a lot of people didn't even know who this guy was. Uh, they had the whole media tour and everything, but obviously he wasn't able to participate much in that because he doesn't speak English. And, you know, we talked about on the show a couple of times, you know, these fighters kind of get a raw deal who don't speak English because, you know, the, sport, the company is based in America and they hype the fighters who can talk the most trash. And the guys who talk the most trash are, you know, they speak English. So uh, there's a lot that gets lost in translation there, and maybe there's a lot getting lost in translation with what exactly Jose Aldo is upset with, and you know maybe his management is not conveying, you know, his wants to the company sufficiently. But in any case, I hate hearing drama like this. It's it, like give up the belt and and walk away, or or fight the next guy in line. That, that's what I say. Like, you either want to be a fighter or you don't. Don't say, I want to be a fighter only if I can fight this guy. You know, I hate shit like that. And if he wants to retire, then then fine. You know, we don't need him around. So, like, there's plenty of other fighters to watch. Um, speaking of other fighters to watch, an interesting matchup coming up on Saturday, UFC Fight Night 98 from Mexico City, which I feel like a lot of people are not talking about. But the main event is going to be a war there's no way this is going to be a bad fight rafael dos anjos the former um lightweight champion facing tony ferguson who has been on a tear lately his last fight was phenomenal with um uh, lando venata in sioux falls 
I believe. Um, those guys were slinging, and uh, Tony Ferguson forced to use his grappling, which he, you know he's got a slick grappling game, and I know he he brought in Eddie Bravo to his into his camp to prepare for this fight. So maybe he's planning to um, to bring uh, Dos Anjos to the ground and test him there. Which will be interesting. We haven't seen Rafael Dos Anjos' ground game in a while just because he's been knocking people out or getting knocked out like he did in his last fight against Eddie Alvarez. Um, but definite title implications for this fight. Uh, obviously, Dos Anjos coming off of uh, just having lost the title. And uh, Tony Ferguson has, has been on a real tear lately. And, it, and he's already calling out everybody. He wants the winner of Alvarez McGregor. He wants to move up to 170, which is where he, actually the weight class that he won the Ultimate Fighter in. Um, and then he's talking about dropping down to 145. I mean, this guy's all over the place. He's got, he's got really high energy. I mean, th- this guy's an unbelievable talent and you can't, you can't question his energy output. This is a guy who brings it every time he gets in there. And, um, I heard an interview with him recently where he said he's he's actually walking around like close to 220 pounds. He's fighting at, at 155 pounds, which is insane. Um, I mean, he's walking around at less than that now, but I mean, when he's not fighting regularly, he's he's getting up that that big, which is which is nuts. But I mean, the guy's been wrestling his whole life, so he, he's an expert at cutting weight. So if he thinks he can get down to 145. Uh, you know, this is a guy, I'll, I'll watch him anywhere he's fighting. So this is definitely an interesting matchup. And, it, and it'll be interesting, too, to see how Rafael Dos Anjos bounces back from that knockout loss from Eddie Alvarez. Obviously, we've seen him bounce back from, from devastating knockouts in the past. Uh, Jeremy Stevens comes to mind, uh, who, who knocked him out pretty badly. And obviously, he went on the run to win the title after that. So... This is really an interesting fight. These are two guys who bring it and go for the finish every single time. There's no way this is going to be a boring fight. So that'll be awesome. And then the co-main event is uh, Diego Sanchez welcoming Marcin Held, who is a submission specialist who came over from Bellator. It's hard to know what to expect from this fight. We know what Diego Sanchez is going to do. He's going to come flying across the cage and he's going to be swinging wild bombs. And Marcin Held is more of a reserved fighter. He's he's a high-level grappler. He's got a lot of a ton of wins by submission. But, you know, a lot of these guys who come highly touted from Bellator into the UFC, I mean, Will Brooks comes to mind who um, you know, didn't have such a great showing in his last fight. He had his rib broken against uh, Cowboy Oliveira and just just got basically roughed up and eventually knocked out cold um so interesting fight Uh, a lot of people think diego sanchez you know might be closing in on the end of his career i mean this guy's been fighting a long long time he dropped down a weight class and he has gone one two he's gone two for two wins and one two three four losses in his last six fights so and and his last fight against joe lozon was one of the most brutal knockouts i've ever seen in my life where joe lozon just had him dead up against the cave up against the cage and he was just stiff and joe lozon is just still punching an, an unconscious body while while looking at the ref like what do you want me to do here in any case 
So you're going to get Diego Sanchez coming out aggressively against, you know, a high-level grappler. So it could go one of two ways. Diego Sanchez is going to blast through this guy and send him back to Bellator. Or, you know, Marcin is going to weather the storm, uh, get Diego down to the ground, or, or wait for him to, I, you know, try and pressure him against the cage and, and try and get him down and eventually work his submission game. So, you know, it, kind of an interesting fight, but... You know, no real implications for for either guy because Marcin held nobody, eh, no casual UFC fan knows who this guy is, and uh, Diego Sanchez, you know, obviously not doing so well in his last couple of fights. So, you know, I, I don't really understand why this is a co-main event uh, unless they're trying to build Marcin held up. That would be the only thing that would make sense to me. And then a fight that was just added to this card: Ricardo Lamas, who is supposed to fight BJ Penn. Uh, in the Philippines last week and or last night actually and that card had to be canceled because BJ Penn pulled out of the main event with an injury and they decided to cancel the whole card this was supposed to be in Manila so Ricardo Lamas is gonna fight Charles Oliveira this is kind of an interesting fight with Ricardo Lamas you never really know what you're gonna get um, you know you could get the grinding Ricardo Lamas who's just gonna hold guys down and hold them against the cage um, or, you know, you could get the aggressive Ricardo Lamas that we saw in the last 20 seconds against his, his um, against Max Holloway, where he was just out there slinging. I mean, if you put this, if you force this guy into a brawl, he'll brawl. Um, it's hard to say what Charles Oliveira is going to do. He's coming off, obviously, a submission loss against Anthony Pettis in his last fight. Um, Charles Oliveira, known for really slick submission game. He was considered one of the best submission artists in the division, and uh, he got tapped out with a really tight guillotine from Anthony Pettis in his last fight. That was Anthony Pettis' first fight at featherweight. Um, so this is definitely a, a more interesting fight than Ricardo Lamas versus BJ Penn. Uh, I think that was just the UFC doing BJ Penn a favor, saying, you know, you've done so much for the company, we'll put you headlining a fight if you want to make a comeback and that's all that was in my opinion um the the next fight benil dariush who's uh you know very strong grappler uh interesting fighter versus rashid uh, magomedov that who is you know 19 and 1 so th that could be an interesting fight as well and then um you know just kind of scanning over the rest of the card uh, Sam Alvey's name jumps out. He's having a quick turnaround. Uh, he just fought recently. I know he, I think he just had a kid, so he's looking to stay active because, you know, got to feed the baby. But he, he's coming off that knockout win over Kevin Casey at uh, UFC on Fox 21 in August. So real quick turnaround for, for smiling Sam Alvey there. And he's, he's like kind of buried on the undercard there. So that's... That's very interesting. Uh, something else that's interesting is uh, this whiskey I'm currently drinking. So I decided to go out and find something local. And uh, I picked up a bottle of Chattanooga whiskey. And it's their 1816 Reserve. So this is a recipe that's actually essentially two centuries old. Because it's 2016 now. So 1816 was two centuries ago. Unless my math skills are escaping me right now because I'm a couple of glasses in with this. But um, a really interesting story behind this whiskey. So a guy by the name of John Ross established a trading post along the Tennessee River. And uh, 
it was kind of like you know Oregon Trail kind of deal. It's where they sold a little bit of everything. They had a there was a ferry landing, and um, so it was called Ross's Landing, and you know they just sold a whole bunch of shit there, and they had this whiskey recipe, and it was a corn based whiskey recipe that's still used by Chattanooga whiskey to this day, and uh, it, it's really an interesting. It's really an interesting whiskey. Um, it, it's, it's got a little bit burn on the front end, but on the back end, it's got some vanilla and caramel notes, and it's really nice. It's really smooth on the back end. So a little burn up front, but uh, you, know, you can take care of that with a little splash of water, or you could do it on the rocks like I'm doing, obviously. <laughs> I think uh, it, everybody knows this. that's kind of how I take my whiskey. But... Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying this whiskey, and I'm, I'm glad I picked it up. So uh, Chattanooga Whiskey, the 1816 Reserve, uh, it's aged in uh, oak casks, I believe. So it's got kind of an oakiness to it, almost like a bourbon, but, you know, a, a, a little harsher on the front end. And um, I think it'd be great in an old-fashioned, actually, if you're, um, if you're an old-fashioned drinker. This is definitely a, a nice whiskey for an old-fashioned. I would, I would highly recommend that. So this is something I picked up while I was in Irwin, Tennessee, uh, two two nights ago, and uh, I'm just cracking it open now for the first time. Uh, like I said, I'm in Knoxville now, but um, I, I wanted to pick up like a local Tennessee whiskey that wasn't, you know, uh, a highly marketed brand like a Jack Daniels or something like that. So this is what I grabbed. It kind of jumped out to me while I was at the liquor store, and um, I'm glad I picked it up. So some other things I picked up along the way. I was actually driving from Asheville, North Carolina to Knoxville, and I saw the Sierra Nevada brewery. And I decided I had to just jump off the highway and check out the Sierra Nevada brewery. It was a, it was a total accident. And for those of you who are longtime listeners, I know there's tons of you. You may remember from episode nine, uh, Jeff the Animal Wilson and I got into some uh, Sierra Nevada torpedo um, and that's, that's a really great beer. And there, Sierra Nevada's, uh, pale ale is just one of my favorite all time beers. It's just a go-to for me. It's like when I can't decide what I want to drink or if I, if I'm not really feeling anything new, if nothing's jumping out of me, I'll always re- reach for the, uh, Sierra Nevada, uh, pale ale. It's just got that real refreshing taste, you know, that, that light, but hoppy flavor to it. And um, their, their brewery is awesome. So you go down this long road, it's like a, a half a mile winding road through the woods, and you get to this giant estate. And all the, the, the distilling equipment is up on the roof, and it's, it's a huge building. And then they, they have tours and everything like that, but uh, I just went right for the tap room because, you know, that's where all that's where all the good stuff is you know why do i need to see how they make it and and look at all the equipment and everything i just want to drink the beer so those of you who've been uh, following my road trip along on instagram i've been posting some instagram stories and and some instagram pictures i brought my dog bijou to the brewery with me because they have a big back patio where people play cornhole they got a big stage uh, where they have live music and and stuff like that and then they have a walk-up bar in the back uh, they have food and everything like that. I didn't eat any of the food there, so I can't speak to it. But I did have the beer. 
Um, I tried their Oktoberfest, which is really nice. It's it's light and it's more of a German style Oktoberfest. So if you don't know what that means, like if you've ever had Sam Adams Oktoberfest, that's like a real dark, malty American style Oktoberfest. The the real German beers, they're they're a lot lighter. They're they're similar to like like a Heineken, much on the lighter side, almost a little bit bitter. Um, so the Sierra Nevada's Oktoberfest is more of an October style, but it does have that kind of um, American maltiness to it, which is which is really nice. I really liked it a lot. So um, I had a good time there. Bijou had a great time there. So you can check all that out on Instagram if you feel so inclined at MMA on the rocks. Um, and then uh, I went further into downtown Asheville, and I found another brewery called Wicked Weed. And this is another really chill spot. Asheville is uh, a really uh, hip kind of town. You know, very, very artsy people. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun there. Uh, so this this brewery is very similar too, where dog friendly. You know, they have a nice outdoor area with a big, you know, bonfire pit and things like that. Uh, the food was pretty good there, and uh, the beer is solid. You know, they had some. They had some nice. Um, they have some nice IPAs there. And, uh, you know, I brought a couple of bottles back with me and, you know, looking forward to cracking those open. So maybe I'll get into more detail on those in another episode. But uh, I definitely highly recommend the Chattanooga whiskey. Uh, in any case, that's kind of all I got. I mean, kind of a short episode for now, but I just wanted to touch down and touch base and get into what's going on with MMA. I mean, we had event after event after event. I think it was nine or ten weeks in a row, and this was the first weekend we had off from UFC anyway. I know there were some other fight cards going on, but next week, uh, UFC Fight Night 98, Los Angeles versus Ferguson. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to tune into that. And uh, if you have anything you want to share with me, if you have any recommendations for the rest of my road trip, I'm going to be going from here into Nashville, Tennessee for a couple of days and then down to Birmingham and then down through the panhandle of Florida. So if you have anything that you really recommend, if there's any breweries I need to check out in any of those areas or any distilleries, anything like that, please let me know on social media. As always, at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, however you want to get in touch with me, or just go to MMAontheRocks.com. I also want to thank everybody who has left a review for me on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher or wherever else you're listening. Thank you for your reviews. And if you haven't yet and you're digging the show, then please go on there and leave a review and be honest. You know, let me know what you're thinking about the show and you know, let me know what you'd like to see differently or what you'd like to hear me talk about or what you want to hear me stop talking about. And I'll take all your opinions into consideration. So the other thing I'm going to take into consideration is another glass of this Chattanooga whiskey. And that's it. So let me know what you guys are thinking and drinking. And that's all I got for tonight. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Goodbye. <laughs>